Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I take my recorder with me, and I bring you stories from the airplane, you know, from the pilots, the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called All in a Day's Work, and it's all about stories about all the unusual things that happen on airplane. You know, the flight attendant job is just not your typical job. <laughs> and some of the things that we have to do in a day's work are just crazy. We're actually going to hear stories about the flight attendants having to actually open the aircraft door in flight. A lot of stories about some wacky things that happen involving the lavatories. And uh, at the end of the episode, there's a story about a particularly positive experience I had with a celebrity, all in a day's work. Look at me, I'm flying. So this guy went into the bathroom after takeoff, and then the flight attendants realized that he wasn't coming out of the bathroom, and then a couple passengers brought it up to their attention that the bathroom had been occupied for quite a, some, quite a long time. So the flight attendant knocked on the door and said, are you, you know, are you okay? Oh, I'm okay, I'm fine. And she said, okay. So then a little bit more time went by and they realized that he was still in the bathroom. So they knocked on the door again and they said, are you sure you're okay? Do you need anything? No, I'm okay. Are you, you're all right? Yeah, I'm all right. And so then a little bit, you know, and then it was getting closer to landing time. And they banged on the door and they said, sir, you have to come out of the bathroom. It's time to land. We're going to land in Honolulu. And he said, but I can't figure out how to get out. <laughs> so they pried the door open and they got him out and they said, what is the matter? Are you feeling okay? And he said, no, I just can never figure out how to get out. And they said, well, but we kept asking you and you said you were okay. And he said, well, no, I mean, I'm o I was okay. I just couldn't figure out how to get out of the bathroom. I was flying for this regional airline, and we flew Shorts 360s, which are those square boxes. Yeah. And it has a fan up here, and because the airplane is very hot. And it has this fan, and there's no guard on the blades, but the blades are rubber. And it spins fast, and when you get your finger in it, it's just the shock of your finger going in a fan that you think like you just lost a finger or something. And it hurts a little bit, but then you realize, wait a minute, those are rubber blades. And then when you look, your hand's still there, and then you're like, oh. But it does, it does get your attention. And you think initially your thought is, I just lost a finger or two. So I was flying with this pretty boy, Captain, and he constantly had his, had his hand in his hair, making sure his hair was okay. So we're flying along. It's, it's smoldering hot in the summertime. And he goes, I'll be off the radar. I'm going to make a PA. And so he had his microphone here, and he was flicking his hair, and the fan was running. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, and all of a sudden you heard this, and, he got his, and his finger hit the fan. And he went, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ! And then he, and then I said, you're on the PA, and he let it off. And then there was this silence for a minute, and all of a sudden we heard, ding, 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 ding. And the flight attendant called up, and she said, my God, is everything okay? We're like, yeah, pretty boy, he got his hand caught in the van. She goes, my God, everybody in the back here thinks we're going to die. You better make a PA. But it was, and you could hear it. It was, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ! Thanks for the ride. Eyes are wide, I was dying. So you were on a 727? We were on a 
727 out of Sacramento years ago. This was an in-flight mechanical problem, and we had to open up the air stair door on the 727, the aft air stair door. So the captain said that we were going to depressurize the cabin and open the aft air stair door and have the second officer try to bring up the aft air stairs manually. So uh, we had one flight attendant who shall remain nameless, who was a dear friend of mine who did not want to do it. She absolutely refused, and uh, I told her that she could stay with the passengers. We reseated passengers forward of the um, window exits, and uh, Linda and I, we um, helped the the, uh, second officer. Uh, I went back there, and the aft air stair door was banging against the second officer, and I said, Linda... He opened it. After you depressurize the cabin, you can actually open up the doors. And was it really windy? It was. It was loud and windy, but we were... were we on? Well, we had to hold on because... Well, what were you holding on to? Well, we were... Hol- I actually, because I'm long-legged, I had my, my left leg um, wrapped around the um, luggage rack that holds the luggage underneath the last row of seats, and then I had my um, arm around Linda's waist, and she had her arm around the second officer's waist. This is after we had latched the door open, because Linda said originally there wasn't any heroes on this flight. If the second officer fell, she was going to slam the door shut behind him. <laughs> so I made her latch the door open. So we had formed this human chain... It was a human chain to uh, save the second officer's life because <laughs> there wasn't any way of saving his life because there was no parachute. And um, we had formed this human chain. She had his arm around, her arm around his waist, my arm around her waist, and my leg latched around the uh, luggage rack. <laughs> and he was valiantly trying to bring the aft air stairs open. But, of course, the wind was funneling around the, the belly of the plane, holding the stairs down. But he's doing the latch, trying to bring the air stairs up with the air stair door handle. And as we're doing this, you can see the cows go by the rice paddies in Sacramento. And I'm you know, looking at everybody going, why don't we have this camera? Everybody has a camera on board the plane, except the flight that we're on. And my girlfriend, who shall remain nameless, is sitting at the exit rows with the passengers watching us going, you're a fool, you're a fool, they don't pay us for this. And I said, yes, we have to do this because Sid was the captain. And he said, this is step one, step two is land the plane. So after we try unsuccessfully to bring up the air stairs, we haul the second officer back in, who I'm sure has wet his pants at this point, because he is hanging, ready for a free fall down these stairs. We haul him back in, and we shut the air stair door. And, you know, he's sweating profusely. Armpits are just drenched, you know. He's like going... (gasps) I mean, he couldn't even talk. And we bring him back up to the captain and bring him back in. It's like, okay, Sid, we've tried that. It's unsuccessful. Can we now land the plane, step two? So we prepare the airplane for an emergency landing. And we go into Sacramento. Now, mind you, after we have landed the plane... We had to shut down the whole airport because our air stairs has bounced along the runway. It did. He he did an excellent landing. He went in nose first, but didn't tear up the airplane at all. But he did drag the air stairs just a little bit. Well, a little bit, yes. So we come to a complete stop, and you know, my girlfriend is saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna die. We're gonna die. You know, sky is falling." And I'm going, "No, no, no. We 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 are not gonna die." You know, and she didn't want to sit on the jump seat because she's back, af- there. back there because she's afraid the stairs are going to rip off. And I go, look how thick that door is back there. So I approved for her to sit at the exit door, you know, um, right. to right. right. 
over there rather than on the air stair doors. But, uh, you know, we came to a complete stop and we didn't have to evacuate or anything because the stairs did not rip off. When, But they did rather shred. They looked like the back of a motor home, you know, those little fringy things. So um, we, you know, came back to the uh, terminal and the captain <laughs> changed into his Hawaiian shirt and his shorts with his camera because, you know, he had one to take pictures and we were being hounded by the media, you know, news at 11 because they had to say... Th- the reports were that we had lost a cargo door, and, you know, there was a horrible reports. Nothing had happened, but, you know, everything was wrong. And later on, one of the agents found a piece of the air stairs for me. We made a little brooch. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. I have a piece of 727 stairs. But you still have it? I still have it. It's a brooch that we've made. Most of you, if you've flown often, have noticed at some point that the aircraft lavatory does not stay, shall we say, fresh as a daisy. (laughs) At times, certain flights, long flights, all-night flights, um, quite often, they can get kind of rank. (laughs) And our jump seats are very near the lavatories. On almost every aircraft. So I and most flight attendants carry around some sort of air freshener. I carry around a small little travel size lavender spray. And I was flying with this one particular flight attendant. She had a big honking aerosol can. And the lavatories were starting to smell as they do quite often. And she, like myself, is also a germaphobe. You know, we work with so many people, you get a little... Uh, cautious about germs. So she went into the galley and got a paper towel, used the handle from the lavatory with the paper towel, didn't even look, didn't want to go in the lab, just put her hand in there and shh with her aerosol can. And next thing we heard was, (coughs) (laughs) there was a passenger in the lab, hadn't locked the door, and they got sprayed. Once, uh, quite a few years ago, I was a uh, first officer flying with a captain who was famous at our airline for being a character. His name was Don. And uh, we were in London on an L-1011 and getting ready to uh, push back from the gate. And uh, just so happened they were doing some work on the runway at uh, London Gatwick at the time and uh, they do the work at night and then they'd uh, take all the construction equipment away and and during the day all the airplanes could use the runway and then they'd come back out and, and do some more work at night so this particular day uh, the captain got on the public address system and and made a announcement in his big booming voice he told him he said folks we're they're having a little work done on the runway so it might be a little rough on takeoff but I just want to let you know it's not the pilot's fault. It's not the plane's fault. It's the ass fault. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, how's that going to go over? And you could almost hear a groan from the back from 300 passengers thinking, I hope this guy flies better than he tells jokes, because that was pretty bad. <laughs> the sun is shining. 
Now, a few episodes ago, I mentioned that I actually have a book deal, and I'm currently writing a Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase book. And I thought maybe some of you out there might like to be part of the book. And you could do that by sending me any funny airline, aircraft, airport stories, or even jokes, anything that you think is entertaining and might be a nice addition to the book to flywithbetty at gmail.com. That was flywithbetty at gmail.com. And uh, please include your name and address because if we decide to use it in the book, we'll be happy to send you a signed copy of the book. I'm still not sure if anybody actually wants me to sign things. But <laughs> anyway, I'll be happy to send you a signed copy of the book. And maybe you can then be part of the upcoming Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase book. So if you have any funny stories or jokes, please send them to me and I'll look forward to reading them. Okay, flying out of Billings, Montana, and after takeoff, uh, uh, the call light kept going off, and they thought, what is going on up there? So she went, my girlfriend went up to go and see what was the matter, and this gentleman was speaking into the air vent saying, yeah, I'll take a Coke, and my wife would like a Sprite, Just like and she do. said, are you for real? And he said, well, yeah, isn't that how we place our order? And he was dead serious. On a flight from Honolulu to Los Angeles, um, right immediately after takeoff, when the, we were climbing still quite steeply, this little old man forces his way, struggles all the way up slowly to first class through the entire first class cabin to go to the bathroom. So we allow him to go to the bathroom. He comes out and the first thing he says is, I want a scotch and soda. So instead of arguing with him about wait for the coach service to begin, no. One of the other flight attendants says, I'll get you the scotch and soda. We help him back to his seat because he's not stable on his feet. Gets back to his seat. He sits down. We deliver his drink to him and proceed with the service. I then leave the first class flight attendants to go work in coach. So as I'm in coach and we're doing our meal service, I bring, I'm coming around the corner with the meal cart and it's quite bumpy. And I notice this man standing up by the bathroom. And I said, did you need help? And he holds out his glass, his cup, and says, there's piss in this cup and I thought the drink is bad <laughs> I just said yeah he said this and I just went the drink is bad what could this mean and I said what do you mean and he says there's piss in this cup and I looked at him and I said are you actually telling me that you urinated in that cup and he said, yes, I'm an old man. And then he passes it to me and says, take it. And I said, I will not. 
I said, dispose of that in the bathroom where you should have done it in the first place. And nobody saw him? Like, what was he no, doing No, exactly. <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. <laughs> in the aisle? <laughs> then after, after the whole thing, we end up having to give him first aid in flight also. He ended up getting sick, and we ended up giving him first aid, oxygen, the whole shebang. We land in L.A. He's going on to Denver. So I wanted to talk to the agent because I wanted to make sure that the next airline, wasn't our airline, knew what the situation was. Because was he going to continue to want equal amount of attention? So anyway, through this whole thing, we're deplaning, waiting, and he's still waiting to get off. This man comes up to me and says... How's that that old man you were helping with with uh, uh, first aid? And I said, Oh, he's doing all right, I guess. And he said, It's my dad. And I said, You sat there in the back of the airplane the entire time, saw us giving him first aid, and never came forward. Yeah, never came forward. And I said, You know, your dad urinated in a cup and tried to pass it to a flight attendant. And his answer was, Hmm. He's never done that before. I was a brand new flight attendant. We were on the DC-10, and I had the cart all by myself, and we used to fill up bins. And um, we would take the bin off, and when we needed to replace things, we would try to fill the bin back up and put it on top of our beverage cart. Well, I was trying to rush because I was so much slower than the senior flight attendants, and we were on... Because it was stressful. Oh, it was very stressful, and I did not want to let my flying partners down. Well, I wanted to get the bin off the cart, and so I thought, well, I'll just set it on top of the jump seat at the mid. And I thought, oh, well, I need to get something out of the jump seat. So I put the the jump seat down and I forgot that when you put the jump seat down that the top would lift up and what it did the, the, the bin fell over on top of this lady and the, the beverages went on her hair and she was I had all this juice just running down her face and I was just so embarrassed and humiliated and she goes oh honey don't you worry look it's a wig it comes off and she took her wig off and she shook it <laughs> And she goes, see, honey, it's wash and wear hair. And she put it back on her head so I wouldn't be embarrassed. She goes, no harm done. Don't don't worry, honey. Just go back and catch up with your flying partners. And she was the nicest lady. She was wonderful. She was just like this probably older black lady who had like this really pretty going to church outfit on. But she whipped her wig off and shook it off. She goes, like, wash and wear hair and put it back on. Bless her heart. I was just so humiliated. We had a passenger um, that was uh, having some heart problems. Don't know all the details, but a flight attendant and a doctor had the passenger stretched out on a uh, on a row of seats, and they were in the middle of uh, breakfast service. And uh, we had taken off from Atlanta. We're heading to Phoenix. And it was uh, not too long after we reached cruising altitude that they told us they had a medical problem. And then when the doctor did his diagnosis, asked us, uh, what's, 
what's some nearer airports? We're not going to be able to make it to Phoenix. We told him Dallas was about an hour away. He said the pastor's not going to make it to Dallas. So we diverted into Memphis, and uh, it was like an immediate dump the airplane down, get it on the deck. On the way in there, um, one of the pastors seated in the row behind the pastor that was that was laid out, tapped the flight attendant on the shoulder, excuse me, but could you please get me another cup of coffee? And the flight attendant just turned to her and says, get it yourself. <laughs> After we landed in Memphis, they got the pastor off, the paramedics came, got the pastor off, and there must have been about 20 people asking if they could have that pastor's meal. <laughs> reason why I do the podcast and why I think there are so many stories from airline professionals is that it's just a job that puts you in circumstances and situations that most jobs, most normal jobs, you would just never be put in. Like if you had a regular office job or something, you wouldn't necessarily have casual conversations with celebrities. <laughs> You know, it just wouldn't happen. So that's one of the ways that our job is different, and that's part of the reason why there are so many good stories. It's also sort of like a numbers game because there are so many people on every flight, and if you do three, four flights a day, you know, you're coming in contact with a 1,000 people a day. So, yes, there's going to be troublesome people. There's going to be really nice people. There's just there's just so many people that, of course, there's going to be some that are memorable. So this particular flight I was on, Andy McDowell got on. Andy McDowell, she's an actress. I'm sure you know who she is. She's been in a lot of movies, Green Card. Um, she's also a model. She's got curly long hair, known for her beauty. And she's sitting in first class and she's just stunning. She's very attractive. But not only is she so attractive, she was just so unbelievably friendly that it was just so refreshing. So how we ended up started talking is that the there was a passenger, very grumpy man, got on the plane complaining about everything, mad that he didn't have a place to put his bag, and I let him put it in the closet, and he's still sulking. And then Andy McDowell gets on and sits down next to him and talk about getting a great seat. Not only does she sit down and here's this beautiful actress model sitting next to him in first class, but she's friendly and she starts chatting away. And the two of them, it's funny how quickly his mood changed. And so she came up... You know, the seatbelt sign wasn't even off yet. And she came up to ask for uh, hot water to put in her tea. She had a cup. And she started talking. Talking so carefree, really. Just like another flight attendant had come up and started talking. She started talking about who she was dating, her ex-husband. You know, she was just so open. It was very refreshing. She was just wonderful to talk to. And uh, I mentioned that the gentleman sitting next to her seemed quite happy. <laughs> to have her and to have her be so uh, talkative. And she said, oh, yes, you know, isn't it interesting who can sit next to you on the plane? You just never know who's going to sit next to you. And she said that she had been feeling extremely self-conscious about the way her hands looked. She said, you know, 
I just felt like my hands looked older than the rest of me, and I was just feeling very sad. She said I'd been dwelling on it for like a month. I just kept looking at them. She thought, well, there aren't any procedures you can really have done for your hands, and it was just so sad that her hands looked so old. And um, it that was in itself interesting because we don't think of those people dwelling on certain things about them. Of course, they're insecure, just like everyone else. But when somebody is known for their beauty, for them to come up and start telling you what they were self-conscious about, it was just extremely refreshing. So she said she had been just sad about her hands for about a month. And then she was on the plane. And this gentleman sat down next to her who was very attractive. And she said as they were talking, she also found out he was a neurosurgeon. And uh, they talked a little bit. And then, you know, she read a magazine. And um, later on, almost at the end of the flight, she said, he said to her, you know, I just have to tell you, you have the most beautiful hands. <laughs> and immediately she got defensive and was saying, oh, no, no, they're so wrinkled. And he said, no. He said, they're so expressive and they're like sculptures. They tell a story. And she said that she felt like here was not only was he a good looking man, but he was a smart man. <laughs> and he liked her hands and she felt completely better. It's like he alleviated all the stress she was having about you know, this one particular body part. So she was saying how you never know who can sit next to you. And I believe that's true. You never know who you're going to sit next to on an airplane, and you never know the effect they're going to have on you. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.